Hi, y'all. It's me, Marjorie Taylor Greene. You might know me as the congresswoman who brought QAnon to the White House, or as the U.S. representative who just recently learned that Congress does not meet at the White House. I've harassed Sandy Hook parents, called for Nancy Pelosi to be executed, and I famously chased down and berated Parkland survivor and literal child, David Hogg, in Washington, D.C. Turns out, that's not the only hog I've been chasing. <laughs> in a twist less expected than my presence in Congress, the Daily Mail published this week that I have had multiple affairs with men at my second favorite cult, my CrossFit gym. Now... <laughs> Some may question if the Daily Mail is a reputable news source, but remember, I am someone who has made major life choices based on a photograph of a whack napkin that just says, Come Drum 6911. So sure, why not? <laughs> Reportedly, I cuckolded my darling husband with two separate men, and with all the fuss and Valentine's Day around the corner, I thought I might clear the air by introducing y'all to one of my former affair partners. And this is true. A self-identified polyamorous tantric sex guru named Craig. Did someone say character bit? Yes, I did say Craig, Craig. Greetings, everyone. I am Craig. And I have had an erection for three straight years and have never come. As I was saying, Q-drops are vital. Once. Are you finished? I never finish. Go on then, Craig. A few things you should know about me. Like all polyamorous sex gurus, I am also a medieval battle reenactor. Personally, I like to fight for the glory of the Saxon Horde. And I like to fight for the return of the Confederacy. I am dedicated to sharing the spiritual secrets behind excessively long lovemaking in a polyamorous commune that I have not quite found enough people for. And I am dedicated to the idea that Hillary Clinton drinks toddler blood. Much more dedicated to that than I am to my marriage vows. You see, we met over our mutual love of gaslighting those who are weaker than us, but then I broke it off mostly because of, like, the baby blood stuff. That was too much even for me, a man who undoubtedly has a dedicated room for his multiple reptiles and single broken pinball machine. <laughs> oh, Craig. Well... Just for V-Day, we decided to put our differences aside and talk with you about some good, old-fashioned, Christian, QAnon, tantric, cuckolding, muscled, adulterous, Republican sex. Though, for the record, I do not agree with Marjorie politically. I even have a picture of myself wearing one of those awesome hats that you think is a MAGA hat, but then it says, made you look Black Lives Matter, which tells you everything you need to know about me. Step one. Light some candles. Ideally, those made from the psychotropic beeswax of the Himalayan yellow jacket. Or a Jewish space laser, you know? <laughs> you know? You know, yeah. Step two, prepare thine raucous loins for things to get hot. Or lukewarm, like my takes on centuries-old anti-Semitic tropes. Step three, align thine soul to those of your chakras. Wait, no. Step three, align your soul to those of your crystals. On this we agree, I am very much a crystal person. Step four, cover yourself in sensual Mesopotamian oils. Ooh, my favorite is petroleum. Step five, turn on some music. I, of course, recommend Desert Rose by my hero, Sting. Speaking of, I can't remember, you like the police, right? Every day but January 6th. Step six, Stretch your tight, sinuous body. Yeah, stretch it. Stretch it like I stretch the truth, like a fitted sheet over my grotesque fascist agenda. Step seven. As we prepare to play each other's body like a sick rust drum solo. You know, 
I'm going to be honest. This is actually as far as we usually get before Marjorie goes off on one of her deranged tangents that are now part of the congressional record. Rush? Did you say Rush? Oh, I love Rush. Rush Limbaugh talking to me for hours every day just to me, helping me see the truth. If you can't believe the media, you need to find someone else, someone you can't see. You need to find them. I'm not an abnormality. I've suckled at the tates of my forefathers, learning their ways. And now, as Rush dies, I rise because I am the new Republican normal. Uh, right, cool, yeah. So uh, I gotta head home. Like, I need to walk my reptiles. Bye, Craig. Real quick, let's go to my other affair partner, Justin. Justin, tell him what you said when you were asked to comment about me. Quote, Everything to do with that woman comes to no good. <laughs> Stop it, you charmer. Well, I have been future first female president of the United States of America, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Happy Valentine's Day, y'all. Desert Rose, LA, LA, oh, it's a desert, it's a desert, and then you're a rose, you're a rose, and it's a desert, the sweet intoxication of the Craig. That lovely sketch was written and performed by Brad Einstein and Claire Friedman. And this is the lovely Paper Machete Valentine's Gift for Lovers. So hopefully you still love something. Maybe you'll dig this opening number from the wonderful Tiffany Topol. A sunrise, a dark time. A scar on my heart Yeah, but your hand out And my soul found A new place to start You saved me You saved me Save me. You save me. You save me. 
that was Tiffany Topol. And thanks for listening to this, the Paper Machete Audio Magazine. I'm Christopher Pyatt. And this episode is meant to keep you warm during a characteristically bitter cold Valentine's season. And as an expression of our affection, we're going to open up the show today with a guest set from a favorite machete occasional guest stand-up. This Green Mill set is from a few years ago. And though she never actually technically answers the Green Mill phone, it did ring a couple times during her performance. This is Janine Garofalo. Thank you, thank you. I just, first, I just want to say a couple things, and I don't like this kind of talk because it's vulgar, but I did not defecate in that bathroom. As I haven't defecated in in a public space since junior high, I I, I feel it's a it's a vulgar business and it's best left kept to your home or hotel room. And so I just wanted to make that clear before this, although I don't like this kind of talk. Uh, I'm not being modest. I'm being pragmatic when I say I, I don't I don't feel like a very good stand-up comedian. I'm not a strong joke writer. I do apologize in advance for that. And. Uh, it, it has been an issue since 1985. <laughs> and I know many of you were not here. Uh, you may ask your parents about 1985. And, and while you're at it, ask them about James Spader. Let me tell you something since, since you, just very quickly since you brought it up. James Spader, as some of you younger people, and I know you guys are very young because when I walked in, my glasses fogged up and that's the student loan debt just hanging, hanging. It's not the weather, it's the student loan debt that makes your glasses fog. And I'm sorry for that, for you young people. I'm sorry, but we're gonna be underwater in 12 years, so I would say leave it. Put it on the back, put that on the back burner. And uh, I'm not a strong joke writer, but I think I'd be very good at a filibuster. I believe that about myself because I'm very chatty and incapable of getting to a point succinctly and with clarity. Be that as it may, um, there's been a, a feeling that many of you, I mean, how many times can you go to Sephora to fill the void? I, I, I don't know how many times I can go to Sephora to, as, as a, as a uh, I don't, I, I, it's a panacea of, I mean, I'm an atheist, but I believe in Sephora, God damn it. Uh, I believe, I believe, I believe the answer's in there. Are you a seeker? Are you a, it's in there. I don't think I've walked past this before in this country or any other without going, let's just see what they got. Let's just, <laughs> let's just take a turn, take a turn about the Sephora with Miss Elizabeth Bennett on our, um, any of the Bennett sisters, not Lydia. <laughs> Kitty will follow as she always does. I, actually, any of the Bennetts. Actually, my, one of my dreams is to go to Sephora with the Bronte sisters, any Bronte sister. I would love to go to Sephora with the Brontes. The things we could teach each other. I said, so you're a governess. You can still wear bare minerals. And, and, they, and they could teach me about structure in writing. Um, I, and, and actually, staying on focus, I didn't finish James Spader. That James, from 1985, um, you know, I have notes. And I should, I should stick to them, but... James Spader, very quickly. Uh, now, you young people know him as a heavyset gentleman, perhaps balding in a fedora. From I know you don't watch television, but there's a show called uh, The Blacklist. I know you don't watch television. I can tell that by looking. But there is a show called The Blacklist, Liste Noir, if we were in Montreal. And he's, he's bulky, he's heavyset. But in 1985, not only was he whippet thin, he had the hair of Dakota Fanning. It was long and, and lustrous and... It was like Daryl Hall of Hall & Oates, who were the Beyonce and Jay-Z of the 1970s. <laughs> Hall & Oates, power couple. They made it happen. Um, actually, you know what else, Chad the Bird? Inception, why was Michael Caine at the airport? That, this is a, this is, a, why was Michael Caine at the airport? I, 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 this is an evergreen conversation. This isn't just for, don't, don't get me started on the assassination of Julius Caesar. That's ju that's not for the eyes of, there just been a miscarriage of justice. I believe he was a reformer. Now, I, I, I believe it was treason, not tyrannicide, treason. Spoiler alert, it was Brutus. I can't wait for you to catch up on Netflix. I don't think it's on Netflix. But I, uh, okay, so I'm looking at, I'm looking at, oh, so for you young people also, I wanted to say I'm very sorry that you were born in such an aggressive, 
culture, cupcake wars, storage wars, cutthroat kitchen. <laughs> are the stakes that high? Really, really are they? Why are they so mean on cupcake wars? It's cupcake, uh, cupcake wars. I don't know, uh, you, you don't watch television, I know, but one day you'll be over 50 and not allowed to drink, and you will, you will watch television. I don't know how many people are in AARP in the room. ARP, ARP, you get a free backpack. Hey, this is not today, not tomorrow, but when you get your materials, you get a free backpack. It's a really good backpack. It's roomy, and inside the backpack is a pillbox that says Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I didn't know that. I'm also getting a weekend duffel. These are the perks. These are the perks. But I turned 53 and uh, fairly recently. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's value neutral. Thank you. But it's value neutral statement. And that uh, I was working with a very nice young person who also shared my same birthday. And as happens, you always say, oh, what, what, how old are you? How old are you? So I said, how old are you? to her and she said, 24, how old are you? And I said, 53, and she said, what, why? I, 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 she's right, she's right. I, 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 she, she hit the nail on the head with that. I don't, I don't have a good answer for that. I don't know. I don't know how it happened. And is anyone here 26 or younger? There's no zinger coming, I'm asking you, Ernest. I have something exciting to tell you. Um, no, 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 it's, 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 it's not, uh, no, nothing bad, it, it's, uh, there was a time before you were born that Law and Order was not on. That's a fact. That that it wasn't always here. It uh, wasn't always here. I, how would she know? How would she know? Twenty-six years ago and prior, you turn on the television, nothing was being adjudicated through the criminal justice system. It was utter chaos. People used to just wander the streets, going, "When is Dick Wolf gonna do something?" When is Dick Wolf, whoever that is, going to do something? And he did, he meant well, he didn't mean to spawn a cottage industry of misogyny and torture porn slickly packaged as a franchise. But it gets, it gets, it gets away from you. It really it get, it gets away from you. But, there, you know, the Hunger Games comes, listen to me. Uh, I saw the Hunger Games, I'm, I'm late to this, but I saw the Hunger Games on ABC Family. You guys are right, it's very good. Uh, I really, I really enjoyed it a great deal. We need a Mockingjay, that's A. We need a Mockingjay. But um, Katniss was too nice. Listen to me, I, I didn't see the final one when Prim Everdeen dies. And I, I, and, and I say good riddance to bad rubbish, hear me out. I, I would let, wait, wait, I would never revel in the demise of a young girl where she's not fictional, but listen, there's a larger, let, listen to me. She, She's, this is what I'm talking about. She's a real pill. Uh, she was the reason, the, the whole reason that Katniss was in that pickle in the first place. And, and did she ever say thank you? I never heard it. I never heard Prim, I never heard Prim say thank you. She made a real mess. Real mess, the mother was a cipher. Where was dad? Did he kill him in mind? Just deadbeat. I don't know. The, 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 uh, the, the underpinnings of, of all the Hunger Games, I just, I was going round the horn and I dipped in, it was very good. Uh, so I, I don't know if the dad has died in the mind, what have you. Um, but why, why would Prim Everdeen look for her cat now? Why are you gonna look for your cat now when, when drones are coming to bomb the revolution? This is what I'm talking about, this kind of behavior. And it's because it went on and on because Katniss was too nice. You know, we treat people, hello? Uh, we treat people through our own behavior how to, we teach them how to treat us. Yeah, Guy Fieri said that, listen. Um, he, so if you're too nice, if you don't, you gotta get tough. You gotta get tough with the Prim Everdeens and the right wingers, war criminals, hoarders. They, they, racists. Why, why are we, why, you know, the Tea Party, the, the, the rebranding coup of the century, deficit hawks, they're not deficit hawks. They are racists in the same way that the KKK was not an agrarian collective. Uh, <laughs> Concerned with soil sampling and agri agribusness, that it's just—you it, 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 gotta say—is it in poor taste to discuss racism and homophobia, and yet not to display it? I don't understand. Racially sensitive is the new word. That makes them seem nice. You get—you can't let Prim Everdeen off the hook here. And hoarders. Why did I bring up hoarders? You know, they got it tough enough. One could say. Now, there's a show called Hoarders. I know. Again, with the television where. Um, you, you don't know about this, but I was watching a hoarder's marathon. And what, what does it mean to be a hoarder? They're casting a very wide net with the definition. Now there's some people that yes, they seem to be hoarders. There seems to be a method to their madness. They're collecting 
items that, that are of value to them. There's an organized chaos in the home. Then there's some people that are defecating in a plastic bag and dropping it next to the one chair they can still sit in. Amidst uh, uh, a sea of feral cat bones, styrofoam containers. Is it hoarding? Is it hoarding? Something's wrong, but is it hoarding? Why do they get 1-800-GOT-JUNK? Why do they get that? Why do they get people volunteering on a Saturday in hazmat suits? They won't appreciate it. This is my point. They are a bunch of prim Everdeens. They won't, they won't appreciate it. They will, they, they will take advantage. And now sometimes when I yell at the television, I have to say, look within, why are you so mad? Um, and and I, I will admit to, uh, when I had my interventions for hoarding alcohol twice, um, it, it doesn't, they're not as nice about it. And, and maybe that's, it stings a little that the, the, inter, the person who runs the intervention for hoarding uh, is very gentle and they say, we won't take anything out of this apartment without, never give a bag defecator a chance to go through the boxes. You will be there all day. I need this spoon. I need, I need this spoon. Everybody stand down, stand down. Hissy fit in the driveway. And it's probably hot out in the hazmat suits. Are this is what I'm saying. Um, when your intervention for alcohol hoarding, they, they make, they, you have to watch them dump Belvedere and Grey Goose down the sink. It's like watching books being burned. It, it is. It's, it's that, it's that level of injustice. Anyway, in summation, oh God. Uh, uh, oh, I didn't finish with cupcake. <laughs> this sounds like I watch more television than I do. I actually, honestly, the bulk of my television watching is PBS and Masterpiece. I'm not trying to impress you, but your validation defines me. I, I, I do, it really does. How, how, how I feel about myself is, is totally contingent upon how you, how you feel about, it's not your obligation, but I, I mean, I do, I do, I need it. But, but I, at least I admit it. But uh, I'm not even gonna finish with Cupcake Wars. So in, in summation, because it's just beneath you, it is, it is, it's beneath you. Okay, so the last thing, uh, uh, citizenship, please, please break down your boxes if you, if you live in an apartment, because I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, 10G and 10H on my floor do not. And, and oh. It's a, it's a real problem, and, and uh, they're recycling, it's madness, it's, it's a fool's errand. Why, why are wire hangers in with the, pla Do you see what I'm saying? It's crazy, and I was forced to write a note. I don't like that kind of thing. I don't like that kind of thing. It creates an atmosphere on the floor. It really does. It, but I did the right thing. I didn't, do, I didn't do a hit and run, like whoever's not breaking down their boxes. I said, hey, it's Janine and 10F. Would you mind terribly breaking down your boxes and recycling more thoughtfully? Because here's what, what m hit me, because I was breaking them down for them because I don't want Zoltan to think it's me. I gotta cram the, this. Uh, Zoltan is, is a, a, um, a maintenance person in my building. I was gonna say maintenance man. I'm sorry to say maintenance man, but it's a real boys club, maintenance. <laughs> and about, maybe some of you younger people will break that glass ceiling. I hope, I hope that you do. But for the moment, maintenance man. And, and Zoltan, I have a huge crush on Zoltan. I really would like him to think well of me. He's, oh, he has arms like canned hands, but not from working out, not from working out, just labor, la labor. Tell them I will call back. I'm sorry, I don't mean to shout. But uh, Zoltan's from Transylvania. Uh, people are from Transylvania. Those seconds, the seconds, the se I'm, I'm two minutes over and, and say, ah, you say it's okay and you keep holding that off. Uh, uh, okay, so my point is this, I, I just, I, I, don't, I don't believe Zoltan traveled all the way from Transylvania in the hold of a cargo ship covered in earth to break down some dumb American's boxes. I just don't think that that's why he came here. Now, again, I want to stress I'm not mad at anyone. I have, I have, uh, I have to go. I, I really, I really um, thank you so much for, for letting me um, be here. And good night. That was the great Janine Garofalo. And her commentary on television is actually kind of a smooth transition into this next one-man radio play about a romantic couple on the hunt for a new place to live on reality television. This set was performed at the Mill in 2019, the week that it was announced that then-President Donald Trump was interested in purchasing Greenland, 
<laughs> Y'all remember that time? This is the performance artist, Michael Gomez. today's episode of House Hunters International, after their offer to purchase Greenland fell through because, well, it wasn't for sale, uh, couples Stephen and Sarah, both White House aides in Washington, D.C., are on the hunt for a new country to buy. It might be difficult to find a country that meets both Stephen's and Sarah's needs. Stephen wants abundant natural resources to exploit and lots of square footage where he can store all of America's undocumented immigrants. I thought about buying a little place in Latin America like El Salvador or Mexico. That way, if we called them the United States, the people would think they were already in the US and not have to come here. Also, because I love tacos and pupusas. But Sarah has different priorities. She wants a more modern place with touches of vintage charm, which just means skyscrapers and tinges of old world authoritarianism. <laughs> I was considering places like Norway and Denmark and Germany and the Netherlands, and they all came with things like universal health care, free universities, and government-mandated paid maternity leave. But I'm not interested in a fixer-upper. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, how about Italy? It's they're turning out to be a lot like us. But pasta has too many carbs <laughs> to help them on their search. They've brought their friend, they've enlisted the, friend, the help of their friend Mark, an expert in buying islands for illicit purposes. I to Jeffrey Epstein buy his private islands, but I don't know anything else. <laughs> Operating with a budget of who the fuck knows. Um, because their government's economy seems to be in rapid decline with an equally rapidly increasing deficit due to erratic and thoughtless economic policies, the couple is nevertheless confident they can buy a whole country. If we can't come up with the money, we'll just manufacture a national emergency which will give us access to billions of dollars. It's worked in the past. Or we'll just defund PBS and all the arts. What Sarah doesn't know is that the PBS and arts money can't even get them a two-bedroom apartment in her hometown of Hope, Arkansas. <laughs> and that won't stop artists from putting on free shows in historic jazz clubs. <laughs> and if it doesn't work, then our boss will personally finance the purchase. But because their boss won't turn over his tax returns, no bank will review his financials to determine whether he qualifies for a mortgage for a country, let alone a studio department in Rogers Park. <laughs> the couple's first stop is France. Stephen loves the croissants and Islamophobia, but <laughs> Sarah hates the 3,800-mile commute. <laughs> but the one thing that they both love is the country's rich history of colonialism. I really love what they've done to the place, and ooh, maybe we can turn this burnt-down building into the Notre Dame Cathedral and Casino. Ooh, we could put down a touchdown Jesus. Showing them around is Gerard Arrault, French ambassador to the United States. Get the fuck out of my country. <laughs> See, I told you they were rude. The couple quickly considers Jamaica, but they don't like that there's so many all-inclusives there. Inclusivity is not really their thing. <laughs> they ask Mark about Agrabah. That's the made-up country in Aladdin. Also, like USA Gymnastics, I know nothing. <laughs> Next up, the couple takes a look at Iran. Iran, on paper, it has everything the couple's wish list. A theocratic, semi-authoritarian government, oil reserves, restrictions on social media, beautiful rugs, and public execution of homosexuals. And just like back home, the country is full of people who hate them. But something is still off. Ugh, it's about 6,000 kilometers to the nearest Costco in Spain. I don't know, I don't, I don't know how far that is in American, but I don't know, I want to travel that far for Kirkland Vodka and Rotisserie Chicken. 
Accompanying the couple today is Mohammed Javad Zareed, Iran's Minister of Foreign Affairs. Get the fuck out of my country. See, they're not friendly or welcoming like us. The couple wants something with built-ins and they inquire about buying China and whether they could get a three-for-one deal by getting Hong Kong and Taiwan, too. But... Those were illegal additions done without permits. Also, like Hugh Grant and Eddie Murphy, I did not know. <laughs> the couple's final stop is Africa. Stephen loves the abundant, untapped natural resources. Sarah loves the 19,000 miles of coastline, and neither knows it's not a country. <laughs> but the couple's one major drawback, it's full of black and brown people. Addressing the couple on the plane that they refuse to get off of is Abdel Fattah al-Sisi from Egypt, the current chairperson of the African Union, which represents the 55 states on the continent. Instead of purchasing a new place, why don't you renovate your own home first? Instead of being on House Hunters, you should be on Love It or List It. <laughs> Put that money into fixing your own fucked up house. Now get the fuck out of my continent. Fine, I knew. But like Shaggy, it wasn't me. So, which country did Stephen and Sarah choose? <laughs> None of them, because countries aren't for fucking sale. That was the one and only Michael Gomez. So, this next stand-up set is from a comedian of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me fame, Brian Babylon, who hopes to one day be so rich and famous. We're trying to get it so we can get to that level where I'm so rich, I'm buying Clydesdales for everybody. That's been my ultimate goal in this whole comedy shit. It ain't for me, it's for you guys who come out. You guys like little philanthropists for the arts, and I want to reward you, so when I get put on, when a comedy Illuminati calls me and tells me I've been chosen, first thing I'm gonna do is buy every Clydesdale left on the planet. <laughs> Clydesdales, you know, they're big, beautiful, majestic horses. They got Budweiser commercial work, so they pay for themselves with usual income. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking out for you, right? I did the research, there's 2,400 Clydesdales left on the planet. I looked it up. So when I get my first Illuminati comedy check, surely you might think I'm gonna blow that on cocaine, bitches, and Bugattis, right? That's the second check. That first check. That first check, I'm buying every Clydesdale up on the planet. I'm like, boom, Clydesdale's given to me. Then I take these Clydesdales home, then I put rims on their hooves, okay, right? Put rims on their hooves just to spice it up. Can't be basic, right? Then I hand them out to people who come to comedy shows on a Saturday at 3 p.m. So right here, boom, Clydesdale. Glasses, Clydesdale. Back there over there, striped shirt, Clydesdale. Everybody in the Green Mill gets Clydesdale. Bartender, fuck it, two Clydesdales. Clydesdales, I'm being an Oprah comedy. That's how you get a fucking buzz. <laughs> then I'm gonna try to diversify, because I don't just, just wanna make money off of uh, entertainment. I'm gonna diversify my portfolio. So my plan is to get Lasix in one eye. <laughs> Hear me out. Shark Tank. Getting Lasix in one eye, then that opens up a lot of monocle opportunities to bring monocles back, because ain't nobody been fucking with monocles a lot, right? So I'm the dude, bring monocles back. I got laces in one eye, I can see out of one eye. Monocle on the other one, jazz it up. Instagram, fuck it, whatever, right? Mon monocles are coming back, guys, straight up. 
It's gonna be the new Bitcoin of shits, monocles. <laughs> I love doing stand-up comedy because there's no human resources in comedy. There's no human resources in comedy, right? There's no HR, fuck that, I can do whatever the fuck I want. I'm a comic, fuck you. <laughs> Express myself. There's no human resources, but there are Huffington Post articles that can ruin your career. So there are checks and balances. One shitty blog, you're done, right? Like, words fuck with people. Words make people uncomfortable. Like the word, like the word moist. See? It's like, the word, right? This guy's like, yeah, moist is weird, bro. Right, yeah, moist is a very weird word. So much so, so much so, the word moist is so weird that they took the word moist off the of Duncan Hines cake box. Facts, remember? Remember the good old days when we were all coming up and you would make a moist Duncan Hines cake with your mother? in the kitchen, you'd be little with a big ass head and little body, and then you lick the bowl. Oh, thanks, Bob, this is quality time. You know, remember that? The good old days, right? It's over. Because clearly what happened somewhere corny in Ohio or somewhere weird like that, somebody was making a moist Duncan Hines cake, and they took that cake out the oven and they put it on the counter to cool off. The cake was cooling off on the counter. And then all of a sudden they were like, shh, 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 shh. I think I wanna fuck this cake. <laughs> Man, I think I wanna fuck this cake. What you, what you teasing me, motherfucker? All moist and shit? Fuck you, cake. Just asking for it, all moist and desirable. I'm gonna fuck you, cake. Right now, just about to fuck this cake. Then their cell phone rang and they snapped out there. Oh my God, I can't believe I was gonna fuck this cake. What came over me? Uh, then they got embarrassed. And then they were embarrassed and they wrote an angry email to Duncan Hines. They're like, dear Duncan Hines, how dare you tempt me with your promiscuous packaging? I almost fucked this cake. My kids almost saw me. You've lost a customer. And Duncan House was like, oh, what? oh my God, what? Stop the presents, take that moist off. That's, that's where we're at. People is too sensitive. But there's a ray of hope, Green Mill. There's a ray of hope. Uh, we've not too, gone too far because you know who keeps it motherfucking real? That bitch Betty Crocker. <laughs> I looked at her box, her shit said double moist. I looked at that shit, she was like, double moist, bitches, all that punk ass shit. Fuck you being scared, my shit is double moist, what? That's leaning in, that's, that's, that's what they call leaning in. She was like, you know what I'm saying? Make double moist, you see? I want double moist in that box. In my mind, Betty Crocker is some like Joan Crawford type of person. All right. Been real, I've been real racially sensitive about things. Uh, I was in San Francisco, California, and that's where, for some reason, I don't know what it is, for some reason, white people love dogs more than ever in San Francisco. It's at a French kiss level. You know what I'm saying? Yes, it's weird. <laughs> like, no joke, side note of this bit, I was in the Whole Foods, one of your holiest places, and <laughs> I'm in there, Cause that's the closest place to where I get to go to the store. I'm like, fuck it, I hate it, but go whatever. You know, no, no cereal, you know, whatever. So I'm in there, and there's this fucking big poodle with his face sniffing the hot food stuff. And I'm in shock, trying to catch eye contact with other white people to share my horror. And they're like just walking around, and then. Below the, below the human sneeze guard. It's not part of my material. Just, this is how much they love dogs in San Francisco. So my friend, she has two Rhodesian Ridgebacks, okay? That's like the Rolls Royce of dogs. For, like, Rhodesian Ridgebacks, right? That's very, very fancy dog, African hound. She has two of them. Now that is not racist. You can be white and have African hounds. That is not the racist part. 
Here's the gray area. When she was going to take her two dogs out for a walk, she said this. She was like, Tariq Levantes, come on, you two. Let's go for a walk. I'm like, Tariq Levantes? What the fuck, bitch? What? Those names sound NFL as fuck. Those names sound like they should be catching touchdowns, not shitting on curves. Um, I feel like I will know in my heart racism is simmering down when one thing happens. Just one thing, when one thing happens. The thing is, is when, is when white people can accept a black man as a wizard. <laughs> Let that sink in, right? And I mean a real motherfucking wizard, like not a voodoo doctor or witch doctor and that bullshit. I mean, a real motherfucking wizard with a long gray beard and a robe, and that robe has vagina sleeves, and you casting spells, solving crimes. You know what the fuck I'm talking about. And those vagina sleeves have HPV because we keeping shit motherfucking real on this. Oh my God, you know, we were talking about how to, you know, I'm tired of talking about having, talking about racism and shit, shit is annoying. It's tiring. Uh, Someone, you know, I, f I figured out like a little, a little, another little mystery. I, like I feel Captain Crunch might have dabbled in the slave trade. <laughs> yes, yes. Captain Crunch, our beloved serial mascot. I believe he dabbled in the slave trade. <laughs> I was waking and baking one morning, you know, getting my vitamin G in. <laughs> and you know, just, and then it just hit me, uh, it just hit me that I think he might dabble on slave trade. So I looked it up, did the research, I, hey, let me look this up. So I typed it in. And I looked up, his real name is Captain Horatio Magellan Crunch. That's his real name. This is his government name, okay? Facts. He has a boat. This boat is called the SS Guppy. Facts, okay? What we don't know, paper machete, what we don't know is what he transported in the bowels of the SS Guppy. We don't know that. But I'm gonna tell you this, Crunch berries just don't pick themselves. Okay, crunch berries just don't hop off the vine singing songs in baskets. They just gotta have a workforce for that, okay? Slaves. Also, how do you trust somebody who got their eyebrows on a hat? His eyebrows are on his hat. How do you, it's not a trustworthy person. His eyebrows are on his fucking hat. That was Brian Babylon. And now, a word from our sponsors. Hi, I'm Betty Klein-Waldsworth. And I'm Mortimer McHenry Klein-Waldsworth. Formerly of McHenry Klein-Waldsworth, Klein-Waldsworth Public Relations, LLC. We've crafted PR campaigns for great companies like Coca-Cola, Lockheed Martin, and the Ghislaine Maxwell Innocence Project. But ever since we were forced to shut our doors permanently due to COVID-19. And accusations that I'm the real BTK killer. Oh, K-pop! Love Japan. Since then, we've been hired by an incredible company. Bessemer Trust Co. Bessemer, Bessemer Mucho. Oh, love Japan. Love it. Now, a lot of you may not know who Bessemer Trust Company is, and that's okay. After all, it's a cute little mom and pop shop that manages $140 billion in trusts, foundations, and endowments. So you know they're hung. But Bessemer burst onto the scene this week, and it's all thanks to Britney Spears. She's so lucky. She's a star, but she cry, cry, cries in her lonely heart. See, after Britney's very public mental breakdown in 2007, her father obtained what's called a conservatorship. And no, it has nothing to do with rehabilitating condors. This is the good kind. The conservatorship her father has grants him sole control over her life and, more importantly, her finances. Imagine not being able to travel, make decisions, have control over your life. That money must have it so hard. Oh no, 
don't cry. Hand me a hundred. Okay, make sure to spend that now. You know, COVID. Anyway, public outrage over Britney's situation reached a boiling point recently with the release of the documentary Framing Britney Spears. Ooh, did you see that? I saw Billy Eichner tweet about it. I heard about him tweeting about it. That tweet sounds so good. So finally, this week, Bessemer Trust Co. was appointed as co-conservator of the Britney Spears estate by Judge Brenda Penny. Oh, it's all so sad. What, Britney being financially manipulated by her father after decades of misogyny and psychological abuse from the general public? Huh, no! Mortimer, Judge Brenda Penny? Let's start a GoFundMe, get her up to Judge Brenda Dunley. I don't know. I find the whole reliance on GoFundMe to be antithetical to my accumulation of wealth. Very fair. Now, a lot of people are looking at this whole situation as a negative. But here at Bessemer Trust Co., we see it as a, a negative. negative. Some folks would say, but Betty Waldsworth of Bessemer Trust Co., formerly McHenry Clyde Waldsworth, Clyde Waldsworth, LLC, isn't the introduction of a private for-profit company into the notoriously exploitative conservatorship system in this country just a different, likely worse situation for a woman who's publicly suffered so much already? And to that I say, it's Betty Klein Waldsworth, bitch. I didn't marry and then gain conservatorship over the 112-year-old railroad magnate Reginald Klein for nothing. Wait, so why is my name Klein too? Remember we changed your name for tax purposes? Oh right. Damn Uncle Sam always trying to skim me for two bits and a haypenny. Bunch of cake-eating banana oil if you ask a hepcat like me. Go to hell. Agreed. Look, a lot of people want to complain about capitalism these days, usually the people it's crushing. But if for-profit companies can't hold a legal vice grip around an adult human's life for the purpose of their own enrichment, next thing you know you'll have uppity masses. Which is a slippery slope toward basic decency. Look, do you remember how good it felt to watch Britney lose it in front of a national audience? And then how bad it felt to realize how awful we all were. And then how good it felt to congratulate ourselves for feeling bad. And then how bad it felt to get likes for posting about it. And then how good it felt to get likes for posting about it. Brittany is our giving tree. Oh, I love that song. Wee 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 wee. Baby, can't you see? I'm a giving tree. You took away all my money. Had a breakdown. No longer free. I'm a stop now. Oops, we did it again. <laughs> Brady Britney. <laughs> uh, do you smell gas? No, I, uh, yeah, I was wondering about that. Yeah, just kidding. That uh, That obviously was not a word from our sponsors. We don't really have sponsors or, or like we don't have that kind you know that said we do have delightful regular contributors like gary pascal and atra asdu whom you just heard and who are real valentines in real life and this has been the machete audio magazine for valentine's day 2021 Thanks for listening and for keeping your faith in the paper machete as we wait for the damn world to reopen. We're going to leave you with one more original tune by the wonderful Tiffany Topol. As always, thanks for listening. And as ever, good night, Mrs. Steinberg, wherever you are.
Just because. 